Hi, and welcome to Conscious Sexuality, the podcast. My name is Jasmine, and I am passionate about empowering women to awaken and reclaim their feminine through various ways and practices. For years, women have been shamed for their sexuality, and I want to share how you can find freedom. I believe a new opportunity awaits those who seek the depths, and as we bring that which hasn't been conscious into the light, freedom is found. This podcast is not just about sexuality, it is an all-encompassing podcast to shine the light into the shadows and explore whatever your heart desires. We will discuss ideas and concepts that will help you find freedom and step into being your most authentic self. The conversation might refer to male or female terms, but it's important for me to let you know that this podcast is affirming of everyone and however they identify. You have a space here. It is also really important to me that I acknowledge the traditional owners of the country, the Pambalong clan of the Awabakal people, and recognize their continuing connection to the land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Enjoy listening. Hi, and welcome to another episode on Conscious Sexuality, the podcast. Today's guest is the beautiful Haley Jo, and Haley is an Insta friend and I connected with her through Morgan, my mentor, and I brought her on the podcast today because from sharing comments and DMs and snapshots of our life, I am really inspired by the way that Haley lives her life and also by the way that she mothers her beautiful daughter Magnolia. And that is a beautiful name in itself. And so Haley and I just have a lovely chat, getting to know each other, sharing parts of our story. And so I hope that you will join us for this episode. And uh, if you enjoy it, please leave a podcast review through Apple because that's really helpful. And if you want to connect with Haley at all through any way, I'm going to leave some info in the show notes and uh, you can connect with Haley that way. So enjoy today's episode. Well, thanks for coming on my podcast. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting. Seriously, such an honor. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, but I'd love to start with you like introducing yourself. Um, and then maybe we'll talk a little bit about your like who you are, what you do, your story. Because I feel like we have a few little connection points here because I know you mentioned you've done Bethel and I've done Bethel. And so I'm interested to hear a bit more about that. Definitely. Okay. It's such a loaded question to ask. I know. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But I love questions. And let's be real. I usually ask them. So when I get to talk about myself, it's really fun. Okay, good. That's why I love that's why I love job interviews. I'm like, yeah, let's talk about me. Put me in hypothetical situations. I love like thinking on the spot of solutions. Okay. Who am I as Haley Joe? Well, where to start? Okay, so I've never met someone who spells my name the same way as me. So I have two L's in my name. H-A-I-L-L-E-Y. So I like to think that's part of the uniqueness of me. And I have always loved doing things outside of the box and not following the flow, mainly because I want to follow my heart and whatever resonates or feels true to me is the best way to honor myself. So I think even as a young girl, I understood that to a certain extent. And it's kind of funny at this point in my life, I feel like I'm connecting back with my two, three, four-year-old self because as a kid, I had to almost make my own world because my parents were lovely in a lot of ways. I felt like I don't normally use the word lovely, but being in your presence, I feel like I need to use it. Uh, So my parents were lovely in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways, based on their past experiences, weren't the biggest nurturers. And so in a lot of ways, I felt isolated and alone and had to 
kind of build my own world and speak into my own identity, which I often linked or equated to performance. Mm -hmm. And so now I feel so much more free and wild. And like I said, I'm reconnecting with my purest essence or who I am, where I'm like, oh yeah, I don't have to do anything for me to be Haley. I just am. And that is significant and enough. So I feel like probably in the past 10 years, I'm 30, Mm. I've been tapping into my truest identity and super excited for what this decade will bring. But also having a daughter who's two and a half is so fun for me because as I'm tapping into meeting that little girl inside of me, I also get to meet the little girl, Magnolia Joe, who's similar in a lot of ways, but different in so many ways, which is so beautiful because of how that dynamic can bring out so much in me and around me and yeah, just put me in fun situations and scenarios. And so, and even I see things in her where I'm like, oh, I think I totally quenched that in myself because Mm. I was scared and I didn't feel safe to allow myself to be that whatever it is, specifically, I think a leader and more direct. I think I'm becoming more and more passionate and direct with my opinions. And Noli, my daughter, is not afraid to do that. And I think it's because of what we've cultivated as far as safety. And when I say we, I refer, referring to my husband, Jeremy, who I've been married to for almost seven years. And we met overseas in Norway doing YWAM. And I knew And I was like 17 that I would be traveling overseas too. So I, I've just loved traveling the world and going to all different nations, hearing people's stories, listening and eating their food. (laughs) Best meals have been eaten overseas. It's the best. So my husband and I keep a tally. I think I'm at 33 countries, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. So it's, it's so fun. And having a baby has not slowed us down from traveling at all. We were able to go to Ecuador in January, which was super fun. So we just continue to be inspired to introduce her to the world as well as meet the world. And so I'm all about connection and seeing people thrive Mm. and motherhood, anything that puts me face to face or on the Zoom to Zoom call, it works too. But anytime I get to just engage with people, I feel so full of life. And so I would say that that is a huge part of me as like a connector and love to empathize and meet people where they're at. And so, and then through my journey to the past 10 years, I feel like hope and joy have surfaced and like become my closest friends. And I'm just wanting to continually be transformed by hope. So yeah, I, I feel really excited about life and love focusing on the day-to-day pleasures. That's a huge part of me. Mm, simplicities like flowers hence Mm -hmm. why our daughter's name is magnolia but yeah just like flowers and just all the senses i yeah i love to take all of that in and live life with that expectancy of being wooed by the scent of a flower for like an hour it's mm, it's Mm. possible in my world Do you think that you were always like that or was there something that caused you to sort of take that slower approach to soaking in life? Hmm. It's a great question. I think, I think that it has been innately a part of me because I'm such an observer. I like stand back and I'm seeing that in Magnolia too, where she just surveys what's going on. We're both I'm the oldest and always the oldest. And so I feel like there's this like sense of wanting to like, yeah, just taking your surroundings and almost analyze it before actually like plunging in and engaging with whatever it is in the, in the room. And I, 
I think that I've had a tendency to focus on my past up until my 20s where I released a lot of that instead of focusing on what I regret or where I wish I was or being Haley as the 17-year-old. I allowed myself to be even more in the moment and that's when I became even more yeah, engaged with with the present and the senses. But I used to keep this little simplicity journal in my high school years and usually I would write down like one or two gratitudes from the day and I would usually include yeah, yeah. I don't know, like a muffin or yeah. something like ridiculous where it's, I'm going to look back and not even remember specifically what muffin it was I ate, but it was still something that was like special to me on that day. So I think my mom did a really good job of passing that down because she's really good at staying in the present and we both really love nature. And so I think there's something about being in nature that's recalibrating and helps you to just enjoy. So yeah, I mean, nature really helps you to slow down. And I mean, especially if you go into the mountains, for example, often there's no like um, service for your phone. So you're forced to be present and totally. really get amongst what what you're in. Um, I enjoy that personally when we go um, camping or for a hike or something. I enjoy that I'm forced to have to put down my phone. <laughs> Right. To just enjoy and like soak it all up. Yeah. Definitely. It's lovely. It is. Am I allowed to ask you questions back? Yeah, sure. This is just a chat. Okay. I like it. It's very informal. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just make it clear. But do you feel like it's easy to engage in the present moment and allow your senses to fully experience what you're in? Yeah, I do now. Um, yeah only because I've sort of put the effort into slowing down. Um, I've, I've lived like a faster paced life and I realized that when I do take the moments to slow down that I really enjoy it. So I choose to consciously make sure that I slow down Love and it. really like live in the present and slow down. And it's kind of like that old saying, like stop and smell the roses um, and it's so true when you intentionally stop to slow down, you see so much more. Absolutely. I enjoy I that. that. Mm -hmm. It brings me Does a your, lot of um, calmness. Yeah, absolutely. Does your husband help you to do that too? Yeah, he does. He's like, I'm more on my phone and that sort of stuff than him. So right. he is like really good at disengaging. Um, and so I find that like he subtly helps me do that. I don't think he intentionally tries to do it. Um, but I think he, yeah, in his own way helps me to like chill out. Also, he That's has cool. a very calm nature, like nothing, mm. nothing worries him. Nothing stresses him out. Um, whereas I can, and I have more in the past, not so much now, but like I can get quite like uptight if there's like a situation that I don't know, like what to do about or whatnot. And he's just like, it's fine. And I'm like, right. how is it fine? <laughs> <laughs> I love those steady people that feel like anchors and you're like, oh yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> this this shall pass. Yeah, he's yeah. really good like that. That's cool. Um, tell me, because we've got that little sort of like Bethel connection, can you share how that came into your life and maybe a little bit more background around that? Do you do you have that Christian background? Are you still in that environment? Can we talk a little bit about that? Totally. Yeah, I grew up in a non-denominational church and so I I was drawn I was drawn to God as yeah, I like people will ask for your salvation story mm -hmm. and I'm like I just don't even remember a time when I didn't believe. Like it's just always been a part of me. So I I don't necessarily have this huge conversion story, but 
Yeah. So my mom, my sister and I would go to this non-denominational church and specifically in my middle school and high school years, it was a very transformative place for me. My closest friends were there. Just what I was hearing and what I felt like resonated in my heart, especially missions and going to the nations I found in that place. And so I started, not necessarily my closest friends, but people that I knew within the church world started to go and do different programs or schools. And so I went to a Bible school in England, uh, Cape Burn Ray, and then I also started to hear about YWAM, which piqued my curiosity. So when I did eventually go and do YWAM, I did a DTS that was nine months long in Norway. And that's when I first heard about Bethel. It was like the first two or three days. And from all these like crazy, crazy in the best way possible, yeah. crazy Norwegians that like love Jesus, have seen Holy Spirit move. And so just want like more. Um, I love the hunger of the Norwegian culture. Like the, the mm. Christian culture is really, really beautiful. And so we watched the finger, finger of God. Oh yeah. Um, DVD and I was like shoot what is this I've never been exposed to something like this just seeing people getting prayed for and miraculously healed and just what people were believing for it really challenged my faith and also offended me to a certain degree because I hadn't experienced it before and so obviously with the unknown you can become offended but also because my church hadn't introduced me to holy spirit and i was like whoa i feel like i'm missing out on yep. something that's a really big deal yeah and so my dts is kind of like where it started my relationship with holy spirit and actually understanding that i did have a relationship i just thought it would look a different way and i define it a different way but realized holy spirit had been with me the whole time and so that kind of launched me into being more hungry and more open to different experiences but if i'm being honest bethel was something i did not want to do because i still associated it with a bit of like on the craziness mm -hmm. yeah um <laughs> that territory that was a little dangerous still for me to want yeah. to explore uh but my husband boyfriend at the time and eventually fiance was very interested in going to Bethel and so we were talking about the future it was when we were not engaged yeah we were still dating we talked about Bethel and then I went and did a school for teaching English as a second language. And um, when I was there, a girl had just finished doing Bethel. And okay. so I was like, oh, and we connected so well that I felt like it was a sign from the Lord that it was like a safety thing for me where I was like, okay, <laughs> it is territory I can explore and it's yeah. safe. And the way that she connected our hearts connected it just felt like it was a sign of going forward mm -hmm. with the idea of going to Bethel and so we applied May I think we applied once we were engaged yeah once we were engaged we applied and then we both got accepted and we started BSSM the school at Bethel we started it 10 days after we got married wow I think yeah, so we got married in Wisconsin, and then we uh, drove out to Redding, California. People were like, so was your honeymoon, like, the drive out there? And I was like, no. It was awful. It was so bad. Oh, no. Uh, we were still going through a lot of rebuilding trust, and mm -hmm. that is a story in and of itself. But it was, you know, we went to Costa Rica, and then we drove okay. Costa Rica was much more enjoyable than that road trip. Yes, so anyways, we got to Bethel and it was exactly what we needed. I like to recommend people doing it for their first year of marriage, but that's all I know for my first year of marriage. Right. So we grew in our individual identities, but then also as a couple mm -hmm. and the community there was so rich and fruitful and what we needed to lean on and help us to rebuild trust and yeah. even have fun and neither 
neither of us worked for like the first six or seven months. Jeremy finally got a job. We were blessed financially. And so we just got to rest and not rush, feel that calmness that you were talking about in a mm. lot of ways and just focus on the hard work, the inner work that was going on. And then we eventually moved down to Sacramento to be a part of Jesus culture. Mm-hmm. And I worked there for a year and they have a very similar culture as Bethel really love what they carry their DNA. And then we just recently moved to North Carolina and we're still figuring out what we're doing for church, but we're meeting a lot of people who have been exposed to Bethel and Jesus yeah. culture and just feel like uh, as far as having language and mm. having similar experiences, having a relationship with Holy Spirit, operating in the prophetic, just hearing what God has to say uh, is very, very much what, yeah, what these people have encountered too. Mm. So I'm, I'm appreciating finding those like tribes throughout the U.S. and throughout yeah. the world too. So I think that's what I love what I love about Bethel, I think about all the people that I know around the world and it's because I connected YWAM and Bethel were probably my, my top two of like, yeah, I have friends in like 12 other countries, like close friends. And it's because I went and had this experience and we, we were able to do season together and then we dispersed. Um, But what they saw of me and what I saw of them was so life-changing and that's like the imprint of them that I have in my mind and I think that's that's really uh special and unique too so yeah it has a really unique way of bringing people together um mm. I definitely know from my experiences when I first went to Bethel I didn't do BSSM but I did their summer school of worship yeah and one of my really good friends um who is also Australian and like we didn't meet mm. though till we were both at Reading, like amazing in America. And then we met each other and discovered that we like lived three hours away from each other in Australia. And, and that was awesome. And like, she's been a friend now to me since then. Um, and we're, we are on our own individual journeys, but at the end of the day, like whenever we're in the same town again or in the same country, like we catch up and see how we're going. And it, I just, I love that. Um, I do like that element about it, that it really does expand um, who you know and who you can connect with and things like that. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then I believe our initial connection is through Morgan. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you discover Morgan? I discovered her when she used to make t-shirts and I think it was on Instagram I still have my t-shirt oh my gosh that's the warrior yeah that's like the same time that I discovered Morgan as well (laughs) yeah but it was like all four words I think it's what warrior poet dancer there's a fourth one um princess I think yeah warrior princess poet dancer yeah I have the same shirt do you (laughs) Oh, that's so fun. We should have warned them. I know we should have. (laughs) We'll have to. We'll take pictures and send them to each other. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I think it was through a friend who had started following her. So then I followed her, got the t-shirt, felt connected, Mm -hmm. and just continued to follow her. And then I think specifically when she did her beta group for the sexy selfie course I think that's when we started to connect and follow each other as well yeah that's so true that's really true I again I just love how the the universe always finds so many different ways to connect everyone together absolutely (laughs) all right my other question that I have for you is I mean so I follow you on Instagram and you share a lot of your adventures, um, from your personal profile. And I love the posts that you do about Magnolia and (laughs) her personality and how it comes out. And I just 
can we talk about that a little bit more? Because I find it really inspiring, like how you nurture her. And I, I think possibly I find it inspiring because I haven't ever seen anyone parent like that before. And I find it very like, that's who I would want to be when I get to be a parent one day, you know, like I want to be that I have this like little human that I get to like, let them become who they want to be even when they're, you know, at the age of like two and a half. Um, Is there anything, like, is there something that like caused you to want to be so intentional about nurturing her or is it just like from your own spirit of how you enjoy life that you wanted to see her be that way too? Like, can you share a bit more around that? Hmm. Yeah. I, I'll start by saying that for the longest time, I didn't want to be a mom. I would say not until my 20s mm-hmm. that I actually want to be a mom. When people were like, you'll change your mind. I was like, no way. I'm going to be like an independent, badass woman that doesn't have any kids holding me back. Like, hear me yeah. roar. Yeah. And little did I know it was self-sabotaging and that being a mom feels like the biggest calling on my life. I know it doesn't define me, but Mm. I feel like in general, definitely to Magnolia Joe, but just in general, I feel this heartbeat of wanting to nurture and love on humanity and be intentional like you were talking about. And so I think seeing the opportunities to love on people is, well, first it starts with me, which I'm, I'm tapping into more and more, but also seeing it around me. And then having me be able to funnel it to like one Mm. human being that like, I mean, when the flesh becomes one, when you get married, you're like, oh, that's kind of a crazy concept or just out of the box, weird, hard to actually tangibly understand. But then you have a child and you're like, this is the one flesh. And so it feels all the more significant to like, funnel into her, like I said, and to um, intentionally love on her. And so I think overall, I do want to be intentional with my life and with my calling of being a mom. And so I think that is where a lot of the motivation lies. But I also feel, um, yeah, that it's just, it feels like such an honor to, to raise a daughter especially nowadays in this culture and I just think in so many ways kind of what I was sharing before of if I had experienced this growing up like imagine not that I'm not in a really like good healthy thriving place but just imagine all the ways I wouldn't have been held back or wouldn't have had to face certain obstacles. And so I think that's part of the motivation too, of like, I want to see her soar and go above me. And I mean, a common Bethel phrase is, is let my ceiling be your floor. Mm, Yes. And so this concept that she gets to glean from everything that I've learned from, and I want her to go even further than me. And so I, I feel like it's like all combined. Mm. And honestly, too, when I was pregnant, uh, initially when I found out I was pregnant, I became very worrisome and had like 100 responsibilities all of a sudden show up on this checklist in my mind. And I was like, where are these coming from? And I was like, oh my gosh, just feeling the weight of the world on my shoulders, so to speak. And so... And the next day I took some processing time and felt like Holy Spirit asked me if I wanted to carry the weight of all of this around during my entire pregnancy. And I was like, hell no, I want to have fun. And he was (laughs) like, yeah, you get to have fun, of course. So I decided to partner with fun instead of worry and fear and just so many cool reminders throughout my pregnancy and overall feeling like my womb was a greenhouse and there was nothing that could come that would like that could permeate through these walls of the greenhouse and just feeling like he was cultivating and growing in her everything that needed 
growth and and so in that same way, I'm like, I want her to continue to feel like she's in a greenhouse and that she feels like she's surrounded by life and she's getting everything she needs to like thrive. So I, now that she's outside in my womb, I, in a way, get to be her greenhouse and protect her and keep her safe and give her healthy boundaries while also giving her permission to explore all of who she is. And ultimately it's God who's keeping her protected. I've surrendered her to him many times, but I also get to partner with him to create that greenhouse effect that I was able to sustain or cultivate in my womb. But now outside of it, I still feel this honor and responsibility to do that. So, wow. (laughs) That's all like, that's so inspiring because I think, um, I think a lot of the time when I think people become parents, they, we have like aspirations as to like how we'd like to be and what we want to do. And I think sometimes they don't get there because of one reason or another, but I, um, being able to see how you parent, I mean, through the lens of Instagram, you know, like that's 1%, you know, <laughs> totally. um, <laughs> but it's just, it's, I think what it is, is inspiring for me to see that it's possible. Mm. Like it's possible to parent in a way that is nurturing and uplifting to the little human that like you've been privileged to raise. Um, and just being able to like, let them like shine and what is life in them coming through rather than filling them with rules and regulations, just letting them blossom. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. I, I felt from the beginning too, and I speak this over Magnolia that she does not have a responsibility when it comes to defining me. She is not responsible for my emotions. She is a delight. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of times because of what Holy Spirit has shown me from my past, I picked up a lot from my parents, specifically my mom. And so just these like heavy lies that I carried around for so long, which actually were transferred to her from her parents. And Mm -hmm. so I think that for me to continue to speak over her, that she has complete freedom to be Magnolia Joe, a daughter, and that's it. Like that feels obviously really significant for me and for her and then just for her to know that she can process the world how she needs to process the world while also having someone she can run to and lean into if she needs that I feel like that's essential like you were saying not to like force or try to control or try I think in a lot of ways we just have these like preconceived notions of of what we want our child to look like and it just ends up quenching them or making them smaller than they are and I'm learning currently in my life that I can show up and take up space and I don't have to be small and I don't want Magnolia to be small either and so I'm just super excited for her kind of what I've already said to like own that full expression of herself and not feel like she needs to take on any other part that isn't hers to carry, but just being able to focus on who she brilliantly and beautifully is. Mm. Do you think that um, sort of just on the topic of, I guess, generational things that can come through or maybe even like traumas or things like that, is that something that you were aware of before you had Magnolia or was it something that you sort of had to consciously be aware of after you had her? I definitely was aware of it before I had her. It's been magnified since having her, but it was definitely something that I was aware of, Mm. mainly because of doing BSSM. Yeah. And just my husband and I, we've walked through a lot of healing individually and as a couple. And so we've just been set free from a lot of bondage from our past and 
just seeing God heal and redeem certain parts of our past where we've been like, wow, our family transferred that or spoke that or acted in a way that had us believe that. Yeah. And then sometimes also we can even subconsciously take those things on. Um, So even starting to often work on the conscious things lead us to the subconscious. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Definitely. I also, when I was pregnant too, I, I felt like this was how Holy Spirit was leading me, but instead of researching online, because that can be a very scary Mm -hmm. place, I went specifically to four moms who I really admire and respect, and I asked them pretty much all the questions, and they all had different experiences as far as carrying the baby and then birthing the baby, um, but also what they value and how they carry themselves during their pregnancy and during labor and then postpartum. I was like, I, they're inspiring to me. And so that was how I chose to gather my information. Mm. But I think it also just set me up for being in this place of, of being hopeful and a place of life. Like I think that contributed to the greenhouse effect too of like, I don't want yeah, to partner with any fearful information, but rather listen to the life-giving, hopeful, yeah, advice or input from my friends that I super admire. So I think it is so much of what we expose ourselves to as well. Mm. Um, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I've noticed for myself in the last couple of years, um, I've really stopped living from like a, a negative or a fear space and really stepped into sort of a lighter, a non-fearful space. Um, and a lot of that has been as well, like just me due to my own past or things that I have realized that my parents might've passed down to me subconsciously. Um, and so learning to live out of a non-fear perspective is like, it's not something that we're used to, I think, because often Mm. it is very common for direction or information to come off of a fear perspective. Whereas when you choose to live without the fear, it's very liberating and it's exciting and there's a lot more joy that's present and a lot more like carefree atmosphere. Cause you're like, Oh, well, <laughs> it's much yeah. more enjoyable. Oh, definitely agree. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think too, with just staying in tune with my heart through the process mm-hmm. and my coffee dates when I get to go journal alone, even if I'm sitting there like a zombie, I'm like, this is worth it. (laughs) Um, I think that those have proven to be really important because obviously if I'm not taking the time for myself and loving myself well, then I'm going to be giving from a place of, of emptiness. And I can, I can, there's certain, uh, I can gauge pretty Mm -hmm. much when I'm like on the low side of the gas tank or the empty side. And I'm like, okay, I need to like run. No, not run, but uh, (laughs) I need to like have a date. And my husband can usually tell too. He's like, go have some alone time for our family. Um, But that's when I like check in and I'm making sure that my heart is in alignment I mean, it's a lot of just allowing myself to be and then things just naturally fall into place. But even yesterday with my coffee shop date, just realigning with the fact that, yeah, I'm not an inconvenience. I'm a delight and like Papa loves to provide for me, especially with my health and Mm. just like these simple truths where I'm like, oh yeah, I was just, yeah, partnering with fear and partnering with worry and ultimately going back to past ways of thinking, which isn't my current state so I need to like yeah, just realign and um, obviously take the time to do that I'm really passionate about moms taking the time and not considering it selfish 
And I think if you need to go to the bathroom as a mom, you can close the damn door and allow yourself to pee. (laughs) So I'm like, you have to take care of yourself and love yourself as a daughter before you can love your own son or daughter. So I think that um, a lot of times people are just deprived of hanging out with themselves and enjoying themselves. And then they start to slip into that fearful control worry that is so easy and common for us to transition into it just it takes a lot of time and energy to be intentional with kids but man I think you can see the fruit Mm. pretty fast it it can be very rewarding I mean challenging but I think it can be really rewarding yeah for sure shortly after Yeah. yeah in terms of you like listening to your heart and knowing what your heart needs or wants how do you cultivate that like you mentioned that you have these dates by yourself to you know reconnect with yourself is there any other way that you do that or even if you're in a moment and you don't get to go away to have a coffee or something how do you like how do you acknowledge what your heart needs even in a situation where you maybe don't have the time to get away yeah that happens a lot uh Mm. (laughs) I feel or I know that I was just talking with a friend yesterday and I was saying that when you become a mom you're so much is physically required of you um I breastfed and I mean, even just holding the baby and there's so much that's required of you physically. So it's amazing when you get a hug from a friend, but then it's another thing to get a hug from yourself. I feel like physical touch from myself has felt so Mm. pure and healing. And so what I've been doing a lot these days is I'll just place my hand on my chest and I'll just check in with my heart. Yeah, I've also been checking in with my mind, my heart and my gut haven't done that recently but it was really helpful for me to like interact with all three parts it's just pretty much what words pop into your mind and I would just place my hands on whatever place I was referring to just as a way of helping me focus in Uh, and also Morgan I think it was a couple of months ago she shared a meditation exercise where you inhale and you receive the sacredness of the moment Mm -hmm. and you exhale and you release what you can't control. And so in some moments when I've had my hand on my chest, I'll, I'll do that. The inhale, exhale. And a lot of times I'll just like look around at my surroundings too. And that to a certain extent helps ground me um, as well. Or just taking deep inhales and exhales. <laughs> it's really, a wonder really what helpful. breathing, like really conscious breathing can do. Right. Like it really just, it, I think um, for me anyway, in my experience, if I need like a grounding sensation, it's like just stopping and really taking some conscious breaths. And that in itself is incredibly powerful. And it can take 30 seconds, you know, like I don't have children, right. so I do have the ability to, like get away when I need to. Um, but I, I think, you know, as a busy parent, like even just having 30 seconds to quickly center back to yourself could be like incredibly helpful. Absolutely. It's fun to Noli now ask to dance, but there's moments where we'll just turn on music and we'll start dancing too. And something about moving, um, I'm an Enneagram four, so I can get really caught up in my heart and in my inner world and so fixated on that, that they oftentimes say just to like move or use your physical body will help get you out of that funk. And so I think a lot of times it just requires me being intentional with moving whatever part of my body. And I can also invite Noli into that, sometimes Jeremy. So it's really fun for me. It's a fun, easy, light way to also partner with the moment and Mm. feeling helpful again and engaged again and just releasing whatever emotion I'm feeling in the moment. So 
I love that. That's great. And you also do a bit of writing. You have typewriter bloom. (laughs) Can you share more around that? Yeah, I'd love to. When I was in high school, my 17th birthday party, actually, I was gifted a typewriter and it sat in my room, gathered so much dust. It probably still has some of that dust in it, if I'm being (laughs) honest, but I was like, okay, I need to get a ribbon. I need to see if this thing even works. I think my friend got it at a rummage sale for like five bucks. Uh, And so I eventually got ribbon for it and it worked. And that's the one that I primarily use when I create my pieces. But I also started to collect typewriters because why not collect something that weighs 40 pounds? So (laughs) makes so much sense. But um, (laughs) no, I sold or I parted ways with three of them in California just because we moved and didn't take a lot with us, but I still have three, four, (laughs) four, no, three, three. Um, So yeah, I think just, it's so funny when I describe it, I feel like I sound a little weird, but then I'm like, that's fine. I am weird to a certain degree, but I, there's like this experience when you get to type, on a typewriter. Have you ever typed on one before? Uh, yes, I have when I was a kid. That's fun. Yeah, so it's just like the tactile experience. It's kind of like what I was describing of being present in the moment. It's the sensation of, of just tapping on the keys and then you hear the ding at the end, which is so satisfying. <laughs> but it's also like uh, once you've mistyped a word or like misspelled something it's like okay you have to keep going forward and for me breaking out of my perfectionistic tendencies is actually really good because when you look at the piece as a whole you don't notice that one Mm -hmm. mistake and so even in the process of typing this is when it becomes a little bit strange but I feel like the typewriter becomes my friend because I'm I'm opening up and sharing and making mistakes and it's it's so much different than a computer when you can go back and delete and it's (laughs) like quick fixes but it's like no the typewriter gets my raw authentic experiences and like I don't know it's just this really cool exchange of of putting words on paper and they just appear and so it's been Yeah, it's been healing and fun and enjoyable to type on my typewriter. I love to type my own words, but I also love typing up quotes. And I've always had, I think it's it's mainly from my dad, just this entrepreneur spirit, entrepreneurial. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, And so for me, I was like, oh, maybe I could maybe I can make money doing this too. And so I've done a couple of bazaars, um, Mm. like just like holiday markets, craft shows, and have also just loved gifting cards and sometimes write up prophetic words or make birthday cards. And it's just, it's one of those items too where you can hang it somewhere or Mm. you can put it in a frame and it feels... I'm a resourceful person. So I'm like, if I create something, I want it to be put somewhere. I don't want it to just be put in like a box or thrown away. I want it to be somewhere on display. And so just for people to be reminded. And so for me, it's, it's a lot about being reminded of the truth of who Mm -hmm. they are or having a quote they can cling to for a certain season or their entire life. And so I just love what words can do like there's so much that people can be launched into and believe in from just hearing one simple word or statement yeah that's so true I am a big fan of words I enjoy quotes and all those sorts of things and I enjoy putting them up in rooms because I just feel like I don't know I like reading them over and over again and having them continually inspire me or encourage me. Um, And I think words, like really positive words, are they subconsciously continue to sink in. So whether you don't realize that you're reading it or not, it like has a really impact on you. 
Um, yeah. And I love that about them. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's part of it too of like, I mean, I guess that happens on a computer, but like you were saying, being able to like see the words Mm. in front of you, it almost feels more concrete with it coming out on paper and yeah, those words having the ability to shape you. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I love technology and I'm a big fan of like digital and all that sort of stuff, but there's just something also about writing words on a piece of paper and having it as this tangible, you know, document that you can feel and then see as opposed to it being filed away on a computer or on your phone where it's not in your face all the time. Yeah. I often have like a quote or something as like my phone wallpaper. Um, Again, just because I, I love words and I like if I feel like I need particular words in front of me, I'll put it on my screen on my phone so that every time I open it, I see it straight away. And it's like that reminder um, of what those words are. I just think it's words are incredibly powerful um, in whatever season people are in. Absolutely. What's on your phone now? Um, It's actually a photo of me and my hubby. (laughs) Okay. Um, but for a while there, I, I recently changed it just cause we'd like taken a new photo. Um, <clears throat> but for a while there, probably for actually probably for about a year, I had a CS Lewis quote, which was courage, dear heart. Um, mm. and that was really important for me for the season that I was in because I was, I was in this season of becoming and, um, I needed a lot of courage to keep going. And having that on my phone was just like that reminder that I was like, yep, keep going, like take courage. Um, So beautiful. Yeah. I I appreciated having those words there. So cool. Yeah. Thank you for coming on my podcast. I really enjoyed this chat. I enjoyed it too. I've been eagerly waiting chatting with you so it's when we get to do it over a <laughs> podcast I'm like this is just enjoyable for us I hope it's enjoyable for other people but even know, if it was right? just for us that feels like enough yeah, exactly great. exactly it's totally worth it I mm-hmm. feel like I feel like I've just been like sitting in a coffee shop with you or something so no let's make that happen at some yes point. yes absolutely <laughs> Yeah, so fun. Thanks for taking the time to honor my heart and ask me questions about what I love. Like I said, it makes me feel, yeah, super appreciated and known and seen. You're welcome. It's important. Mm -hmm. I I understand that. I feel that often too. Like I like it when people ask me questions because it makes me feel noticed and important and heard. And so I get that. And so I'm glad I was able to facilitate that for you. Yeah, so special. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for tuning in to this latest podcast episode. If you would like to be on the podcast, share an experience, or you want to request a specific topic, you can reach out to me through my website, www.consciousexuality.com.au or via Instagram DM at Conscious Sexuality. If you are interested in working with me at all, you can also reach out to me via the contact form on my website or through a DM on Instagram as well. And if you've got any other questions about anything that I've ever spoken about or a guest that's been on the show, you can reach out to me through those channels as well. I'd love to connect with you. Thank you.